Well, hello and welcome to the Caledonian Kings Wrestling Podcast. Congratulations, you've made it through January and you're into February. And as a special treat, we're heading back to review an old WCW pay-per-view. And joining me is the WCW connoisseur of the podcast, my good friend Stuart. How are you, mate? Well, we might be at the end of January, mate, but this is another Christmas present. This is a late Christmas present for me. We're back. <laughs> WCW, baby! So we've taken the slip road from our 2005 run through. We'll get back to that in due course. Uh, we had a fuel up at the WCW power plant. See what they did there? Uh, mm. And in doing so, we're going to review a bit of WCW Super Brawl 4, 1994, Stuart. The furthest back we've gone. Um, expectations lower high going into this one. Oh, they're always sky high going into this, Mark. <laughs> always. <laughs> uh, mind you're always so low, I need to put my hand in the drain to find it. Um, it, it I, I never get hyped up for WCW shows because of some of the ones we've done before. I always find them very underwhelming. Because they always seem to have top talent on them, but I always feel a bit like... <sighs> Afterwards, I'm like, that was just all, the, all that talent, and that's what you get. Um, so let's see how this one does. So the wrestling business as a whole in 1994 was pretty much at a plateau. It was very much evens. Uh, Raw had been kick-started in early 93, so that's about a year, uh, going on for about a year or so now. Um... Numbers were good there. Uh, WWF had just had the Royal Rumble in 94, which Lex Luger and Bret Hart tied in the Royal Rumble match, which is, I suppose, a nice wee nod to our previous episode, Royal Rumble 2005. Um, uh, Batista and John Cena showing show them how it's really done. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 21 years later. <laughs> 21 years later? Uh, oh, absolutely. So, in 94, Vince would have been on commentary, wouldn't he? Um so yeah. at least he never tore his quad, yep. both quads that night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1994, in fact, they wouldn't have been on commentary because he would have been in. Uh, he would have been in court actually in 1994. <laughs> he would have uh, been in court, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, wearing a wearing a neck brace. Uh, yeah, so indicted in, in federal court for uh, I think he was accused of uh, giving steroids to wrestlers. So then a yeah. steroid scandal. Um, of course, acquitted of any charges. Um, and it's not proven guilty. So, mm-hmm. yes, uh, PR would go slightly downhill for WWF in 1994. So WCW would see that as a bit of an opportunity. Uh, Dusty Rhodes had resigned as the booker after a three-year run. Uh, the house show and TV ratings were declining rapidly. So a committee involving Ric Flair and Eric Bischoff, just to name a few. Um, there was also rumours of Hulk Hogan arriving in WCW after his witness testimony against his former employer. Um, what a classic Hogan. Oh, vintage, vintage Hogan. Um <laughs> So, so things looking likely to turn for WCW, the momentum will soon be in their favour um, as we head into this show. So Super Brawl 4, the opening promo, what a sign of the times this is. Uh, a simple voiceover plugging the big matches with some slow motion um, highlights. Uh, <laughs> very standard, doesn't it? It's a bit before David Sahadi comes out of WWF and runs them up with his <laughs> cool I, I, uh, I, I, intros. I fucking love this intro, man. It was like a, an absolute sign of the times. You're in the mid-90s, you've got flair... Not in any kind of um, modern gym or anything like that. He's literally in a bright, bright purple and green t-shirt, baggy pair of shorts. Eh, baggy pair of shorts. No, he's not. It's some tight shorts. It's some Graham Sinus level of shorts. Oh, running up and down this, oh, fucking dick near enough hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> like George Best. <laughs> nah, yeah. he's, he's just doing the kind of running up and down the stairs in the stadium, that that kind of thing. Just kind of getting the, getting the fitness up, getting the cardio up, getting in the best shape they possibly can to take down Vader. Who do you think we'd who do you think we cave in first on a night of drinking? Ric Flair or George Best? Or Gaz you put Gascoin in there as well. Oh, I don't know about Gaz, I don't think he's got much left in him. Um oh. 
obviously and, Josh Best isn't getting anything left in him. Well, well, right, okay, right. <laughs> in, in, their, in their prime, probably George Best. Yeah, you think However, so. Flair's always get obviously Flair's get like a hundred pounds on them. You know what I mean? So, oh, it could be tight. I bet what a night out that would be. What a night out uh, that would be. Rick Flair, fucking George Best in Gaza. <laughs> the world wouldn't have known what hit it. <laughs> Oh, I thought it'd been a fly in the wall there, like Jesus. So the event here tonight, back to wrestling, back to wrestling. Uh, <laughs> <involving> three <laughs> championship matches. Uh, so the WCW Television Title, the Tag Titles, and of course the World Heavyweight Championship in the match that you just said there. Uh, Ric Flair and his Rocky-like workout video to take on Big Van Vader. Um, we come into the arena with Tony Schiavone on commentary, joined of course by Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, who left WWF, sorry, in late 1993. Um, thrown out of the building by Gorilla Monsoon, if you remember that one, a nice wee segment there. Um, Bobby Heenan, we've spoken about him often enough on the show, but he's absolutely on fire on, on this night as well. I look forward to sharing some of my highlights of, of him for the evening. Um, it's the only thing that gets me through some of these cards sometimes, uh, is a bit, of, a bit of Bobby the Brain on commentary. Yeah, well, he's no Taz, but, you know, we'll get there. No, he's getting there. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got to learn, you know. Uh, <laughs> so the first guy out is Johnny B. Bad, the confetti cannons in the hand, a huge silver cape with his name, and a big set of red lips on the back of it. What do you make of Johnny B. Bad? Uh, loud. <laughs> he is, uh, yeah, he is living his life loud. Living the character loud, man. He's fantastic. Like the look, like the gimmick. Um, yeah. Yourself? Uh, loud, yeah. Deafening. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Christ almighty. Uh, uh, very eccentric um, in, in his entrance here. His opponent from Bad Street, USA, uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, who's being pushed out in a wheelchair by his free bird buddy, Jimmy Garvin. Nick uh, Buckwinkle, who is the commissioner of WCW, uh, a phenomenal wrestler from yesteryear too, in his own right. Uh, he forces the free bird rule here, uh, says that Jimmy Garvin has to replace Hayes later in the night if Hayes can't compete. Um, thoughts on the early shenanigans? Yeah, I thought it was very, very strange to open up a pay-per-view like this. Um, it was some very, very soft humour from the heels, you know what I mean? Like, um, they're trying to get over the explanation of why P.S. Hayes is in the wheelchair and like they both kind of say different things and like Botcoin goes, like, oh, I've caught you out. Oh, I've caught yeah. you out. Nah, fuck we'll get you. Your story you're... straight sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's, that sets up the... The match for later on tonight, obviously, it's now Garvin versus Johnny B. Bad instead of Michael Hayes, so um, we just kind of get right in there, second match of the evening. So, uh, Harlem Heat and Thunder and Lightning, um, hopefully they were ready for their match, being a bit premature as it was. Uh, so, Harlem Heat, obviously not as we know them here, Booker T has been referred to as Cole, and Stevie Ray being referred to as Kane. Um, so, we'll refer to them as their more known names of Booker and Stevie Ray, I think, just for... Um, keeping yeah. a place in the book here. <laughs> I, I have no recollection of this at all. Um, no, no. I wonder why no. they changed. It's probably era, but yeah. Nor do I have any recollection of these other two cunts. Uh, Thunder and Lightning. Lightning is um, Jeffrey Farmer, who is the he was sorry the fake NWO Sting. Mm. Um, that was when Sting took a bit of time off TV and he came back as the Crow Sting with the face paint on and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, this Jeffrey Farmer was. Taking his place. It, I mean, it was always kind of, I'm not the real stinker, I think, which is a placeholder. It was like a parody thing altogether, yeah. Yeah, I've, that's the line. I've no idea who Thunder is. I could, no, I couldn't have been. I didn't even know what his real name was. I couldn't have no, that. Not a fucking um, 
So uh, these guys get in there. Uh, Harlem, he- Harlem Heat are the heels. Um, so they look to brawl their way to victory. Um, the commentators say that Thunder Lightning are trying to wrestle their way there, but that, that's not the case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very much a brawly, uh, a brawl style match. Um, the heels get some easy heat, uh, jumping Thunder on the outside and distracting the referee to get in illegal moves. Um, the match cuts to a split screen as we see Ric Flair backstage um, with Anna Anderson and Ricky Steamboat. Uh, they're just sitting there in the locker room, um, looking all serious and <laughs> having a chat mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's like, well, I don't know what the reason for the, the, the split screen was there, but they're also trying to just build to the main event throughout the show, um, snippet by snippet, you know. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we see uh, Lightning gets a hot tag and has all the fire of a barbecue in a blizzard. Um, a poor scoop slam and a drop kick nowhere near the mark. Um, Stevie Ray then breaks up. Stevie Ray breaks up a roll up with a kick to the head, where the referee's back is turned and Booker T gets the pin from that directly. So strange finish in terms of that's it. But yeah, uh... Uh, I, I don't think I would get up from a three count of Stevie Ray putting his boot in the side of my head. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely spot on, man. It's a fucking... It is a theme for the rest of the evening, these strange match finishing. Um, very, very bizarre. Um, I thought the two lads were all right. Um, it was very traditional wrestling. They, they liked their arm bars. The, the, that kind of thing. See, they seem to love working the arms. I don't know what their finish is, but it must be arm-related. Um, Probably a leg walk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lightning hit an absolutely gorgeous belly-to-belly at one point during the match. That was probably his spot of the evening. Um, but Booker T just no-sells. He ain't got to his feet first. Ah, oh, fucking hell, Booker. You're meant to be the star here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he like a fucking rookie. Um, I thought, a fairly decent match, I thought. Um, yeah, yeah, they minutes 47 probably went a bit too long in terms of what we actually saw. <laughs> I think I've taken about two sentences out of that whole match. Um <laughs> I think it says a lot about the, what we actually got there. Um, yeah, okay, opener, nothing to shout about. Uh, some big matches later on, so they're priming us for that. So, so let, let's crack on. Um, we see uh, Mean Gene Oakland backstage. Um, he's outside showing Ric Flair and Vader's locker rooms, which are across the hall to each other. And we see police officers all around, um, basically showing the, the seriousness of the, of the match that's coming up. Quite like that. It's just a nice wee sort of way to build... Um, you know, that big fight feel. Um, yeah, it's the standard kind of keeping the wrestlers apart so they kind of tear each other a bit so they kind of, they have their main event. Yeah, I mean, really high on that during the kind of 2000-2001 period. Mm. He was always trying to keep his wrestlers safe so he could get the payday off them at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, yeah, brilliant. I mean, they could have put them in totally different ends of the arena, but that, well, <laughs> that doesn't make for a very good camera shot. Uh, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps logistically, that's all they could offer them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, next match is Jungle Jim Steele versus The Equalizer. Um, so Jim Steele is a cross between Mark Merrill, Ultimate, Ultimate Warrior, and Jimmy Snooker. Uh, <laughs> and the Equalizer has one big ab and long blonde hair. It's, uh, it's a strange match, this, isn't it? Just sort of it's quite bizarre. Um, the Equalizer is Dave Sullivan, who is the kayfabe brother of Kevin Sullivan. Um if you'd have told me these were real life brothers, I wouldn't have disagreed with you. They look the spitting image of each other. Uh, two big fat fox who are receiving the hairline and the <laughs> the remnants of a glorious mullet from their glory days. Um, yeah. Jungle Jim Steel is Jimmy Snooker off the roids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Sure about that? Off the roids? The highlight of the match was a crucifix pin from Jungle Jim. Um, <laughs> That, uh, that was the yeah. highlight. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, nice transition. Uh, only gets a two with that. 
Um, he comes back with an atomic drop, drop kick, close line, hit his press and gets the win with that. So uh, 6 minutes 31, still felt too long. They were knackered after 2 minutes. Um, it says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 um, the big man, the equaliser, he was, the, he was sucking went hard, man. And once again, <laughs> uh, the finish, I lose his press. I was pissed myself laughing at that finish. Um, nah, not 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 a good match here at all. You can kind of see a wee bit of potential in fucking Jimmy Snuka Jr. here, but um, I think <laughs> I think I think we've had worse matches on the podcast. You probably. Um, yep. I made the point that I don't usually petition for like a lot of rest holds in matches because it just kills the tempo. But these lads could have used the rest holds because they were bollocks. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I'd be looking at uh, Jim Steele. He would leave uh, WCW in later '94 and would spend ten years wrestling in Japan. Japan. So, so fair play to the guy. He made somewhat of a career out of it. Um, oh well, there we go. Steamboat promo. Oh, aye, he's done well there. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ricky Steamboat promo. Uh, Nick Bottlenecker being interviewed by Mean Gene. Um, both there. Ricky Steamboat's. Standard babyface promo, but they're basically announcing that Steamboat will face the winner of tonight's main event and gets a title shot at the next pay-per-view. Um, which I believe would be Spring Stampede, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, that, so that's that promo. I had to run through a lot of red tape, which he says about four times throughout the night as well. Ah, uh, um, he's, 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 his charisma must be um, contained to like being in the ring because his promos are dreadful. Uh, he looked... Like a deer in the headlights that had shy self, man. That was... like I know people say like scripted promos is not the way to go, right? But like it's almost feels like I know they wouldn't have scripted this, yeah. but it feels like he's scripted it in his own mind, so they have mm-hmm. to say this thing. So he's like thinking about what he said to himself that he was going to say, <laughs> rather than just doing it on the fly all together. Yeah. Um, I like Steamboat Man, but uh, that was that was not not a high point. So the next match is Diamond Dallas Page with Diamond Doll versus Terry Taylor, uh, the future Red Rooster uh, versus DDP here. Could be a good little match, this. Um, oh, Red, 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 Red Rooster's already been. This is 94. Uh, Red Rooster oh, was Christ, like, I, 90, sorry. 93. Yeah, this is... Um, yeah. <laughs> he's already transitioned from the Rooster back into so Terry Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> he's been living in civil, civilization for a while now. He's a human <laughs> being again. So... Uh, so a nice heel kick from Taylor, uh, locks in an arm bar, but DDP gets to the rope and gets out. So uh, a fun note here, um, verbal submission, it was the only form of submission in 1994, so tapping out didn't become a thing until I believe much later. Um, that was your boy Taz that brought that in ECW to America, yeah, the tap outs, yeah. Um, obviously it was UFC stuff and stuff like that, but so it was Taz probably before that then, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. 95. It's, it's just funny to think of a time where that wasn't a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. They exchange some near falls and roll-ups uh, before Dallas takes control of the match. So, Page is the heel here, um, which, for me, I always thought but Dallas was a, was a babyface, but you seem to remember when he was always a heel. <laughs> I, 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 I always recall DDP as the, the, the heel who just kind of used to fucking... He didn't used to, like, like just kind of use, use and abuse Kimberly, you know what I mean? Uh, or right. Diamond, or was it was at the time. He was always like, oh, fucking, it's your fucking fault, that kind of thing. Uh, I think DDP looks fucking great like this. Oh my, he just looks like an absolute dick. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> ah, like, uh, yeah, absolutely. He plays it well. Really, really plays it well. I don't recall DDP becoming a heel, uh, sorry, becoming a babyface until the stuff with Arquette. Like, that, that's Very my, on, yeah. yeah, that's my first recollection of him. 2000. As a, as a face, yeah. Maybe just before that, maybe 99. That kind yeah. of time, yeah. Uh, he has some big suplexes, uh, suplexes and constant near falls. Uh, locks on the Cobra Clutch. Um, 
Taylor gets out of it, but to very little avail as Paige has another headlock on in no time. Uh, a lot more wrestles in 94. This match really, you know, showed that. There was a lot of times, you know, I think it was like, go for 20 seconds and sit for 40. <laughs> like, uh, I think that's a Monica DVP's matches, you know what I mean? I like some to be, you know, every spot called in advance and then you need to get, get in and um, find out what spot you're at, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, Taylor gets out this time, high back suplex, a drop kick. Uh, Paige cuts him off yet again. That was Paige and has a nice spear in the corner. Uh, misses the second one into the opposite corner um, as Taylor moves. Rolls him up for the win in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. Um, I thought it was a really decent match. Uh, uh, I think it's been the, the match of the night so far. And I'd go so far to say it was excellent because there was actually some fucking wrestling moves in it. Um, yeah. Some like the lovely crescent, uh, roundhouse crescent kick for Taylor and the pump handle slam and then banging across arm break. It was a lovely combination. Um, DVP played his part brilliantly, just constantly blocking the blocking the comeback spots, and then I, the the only downfall would be the questionable um, finish. You know, what I mean, there's no actually real finishing, finishing move. move. Yeah, yeah, but it's just one of those things. Same the times. Yeah, I thought you know there was a lack of those big spots as you see there about finishing move etc. But uh, there's a lot more wrestling moves in this one than has been in any other matches. So thumbs up for that. Uh, mean Gene is joined by Oliver Muffler, um, a German broadcast partner as he's described as here, who says some shite. Uh, they're plugging basically a European tour that's coming up. Um, he then says that he speaks German, um, and he says, well, "Didn't you hear what he said there? He says this super bro. I said this is super bro, and you will like it." Uh, so that, that that was a first that was a first note for me of the night for Heenan. Uh <laughs> He's finding yeah. his form. He's, uh, he's, he's warming up as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Shivani tries to talk about uh, Spring Stampede and he then goes, you know that Dallas Pages girl? The more I think about Stampede and, oh, are we on air? <laughs> He's just like, oh man, you dirty bastard. Uh, timely interrupted by Johnny B. Bad's second entrance of the night. Uh, he doesn't do the whole confetti cannon thing. Uh, he's done that once. He's not got enough confetti to go around for a second one. Um, so Jimmy Garvin versus Johnny B. Bad. Uh, finally getting a bit of... <laughs> Bad action here. Uh, fucking Garvin, man. <laughs> fucking stadium. Um, Dad bought Garvin. Ah, he's, um, he's emitting that kind of big rapey energy, man, with that moustache. <laughs> looks absurd, man. Oh, no. Uh, um, he's, like, he's like LAWF Rick Rude, but bloated. <laughs> like, uh, like passionate for the fish. Um, he's got a hair, but it's shorter, I suppose. But, oh, it's, it's bad. It's he bad. looks like he belongs in fucking, with, uh, what's his face? Uh, Heavenly Bodies lad, what do you call him? Oh, Del Rey. Del, Jimmy Del Rey, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what he looks like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, as far as the match goes, uh, very fluid early on, be bad as certainly. Um, nice early exchange, uh, headlock takeovers, that sort of thing. Um, Gavin reverses a headlock and a head scissors, and he just sort of like poses there, with his, his the elbow on the ground, and just sort of as if he's no trying. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Proper chicken shit heel. Uh, <laughs> Gavin and Hayes are like talking to each other the whole time. Like, so Gav- uh, Hayes is on the ramp in his wheelchair and Gavin's oh, on the ramp just ch- it, ch- chatting back and forth. I th- it was my favourite part of the night. Like, they actually just had a camera stuck in Heenan's face and so you could hear everything that was in and it was just fucking complaining about not being able to be in the match. It was like, oh, if I was in there, I'd, I'd, I'd give you a doing, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, oh, this, yeah. is, this is class, man. Absolutely smashing. Brilliant. Um... You can tell who the veterans are here, you know what I mean? Like They're making sure everything they're saying is audible and totally in character the whole time. And yeah, I just yeah. really, really enjoyed that. Um, 
there's a, a funny point as well, uh, another Bobby Heenan um, point here. Uh, he starts talking about Oakland's hair, and he says he's not bald, it's just a wide parting. And I'm just like, <laughs> this guy's just like, even, even, and he always does it, it seems like a quiet spot in the match. Mm-hmm. And he just starts throwing a, he just throws a joke in, and he's like, just, you're always tuned in when Bobby's on commentary, it's <laughs> yep, great. Yeah, I, I like that for the heels, like, if a heel commentary, it, it, you don't have to be feuding with the person, you just, he's just randomly taking a piss out of someone. <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck you, Oakland. Um, absolutely smashing. There was also another uh, segment in the match involving Heenan, and it was um, I think Del Rey's Del Rey, fucking hell. Del Rey, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like this was uncanny. <laughs> uh, Garvin's got bad in a rest hold, and um, Heenan and Heenan and Hayes are just having a conversation over the match. They're just shouting back and forth at each other. Oh, Bobby, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, Michael. How are you? That kind of thing. <laughs> fucking brilliant. What absolute. Stuff barely what was going on in the ring but um, it tickled me I pissed myself laughing uh, a wonderful flying head scissors off the top from Be Bad um, on Garvin uh, another backdoor body drop hits his big punch thing off the top um, and a sunset flip for the three count and the win in 10 minutes and 48 seconds for the baby face um, the match was good actually um, you know I there's a lot of stuff going on so when the match is quiet there's still stuff happening yep. um, on the outside or whatever so Fair play. That's that's how you you know you, you maintain interest in a match. Um, yeah. You use the the part that goes around it to 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 keep it interesting. Um, there's also a wee bit after the match where um, Gavin hits his stunner like jawbreaker um, on B Bad. Name one one he calls it. Um, and the three mm-hmm. leave and they leave WCW after that. Um, and Gavin retired later that year, and Hayes would of course uh, join WWE. Um, where it remains to this day. Uh, Some tenure, isn't it? Oh, I mean, he's had obviously various roles on screen, backstage mm-hmm. roles, etc. But he's, he's still be around in, in 2021. Um, we're talking, you know, 94 here, Christ Almighty, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, really good this match. You quite like it as well, or? I thought the match itself was was really really good. My only problem again was with the kind of a the lackluster finish. Um, also, Johnny B. Bad's. Uh, what is it? I, I can't remind what his finisher's called. It's like fucking the bad mood or something like that, or the bad no, blaster no. or some bollocks like that. Um, but it's a close fist punch, which is illegal in wrestling. Ah, oh, is it? Yeah, you're, you can't. Yeah, you can't hit somebody with a close fist. That's why. No, I mean, I mean, I mean is that his finish? <laughs> oh right, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's his combination finisher. The the close fist, the closed fist punch, and then he does his fucking uh, molly go round off the top rope. Bit of heel, yeah. uh, the, 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 the closed fist there. Uh, yeah. Mean goes looking for an interview with Vader backstage, who's just smashing up his locker room for whatever reason, um, and refuses his interview. That's that's about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand that. Surely you are tiring yourself out for your match if you're exactly. Just, yeah, fucking idiot. He's a maniac. Shoot, he's not thinking about that. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. other race needs to get through to him. Uh, <laughs> So WCW television title match, um, Arn Anderson will take on the champion William Regal. Um, Arn Anderson gets pop of the night so far. Oh well, <clears throat> this is what we're all here for. Let's not <laughs> mince our words. This is why everyone tuned in. It's William Regal versus Arn Anderson. Holy fuck! This is match of the century caliber match up here. Uh, Babyface Arn Anderson, the enforcer, um, set to take on obviously the TV champion, one of the best, uh, accompanied by Sir William, Lord Stephen Regal. Um, Michael Buffer is in charge of championship introductions here um, back in '94, so he must have took a fortune for WCW because <laughs> oh, uh, he was there right at the end as well. Yeah, so fair yeah. play. Uh, 
Vigo's left leg is bandaged heavily going into this one as well. Um, not quite sure what the story is there, but 30 minute time limit. I think it's, it's, it's good to, to point that out early on because we'll be needing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Licking my lips. Um, so this match is what I would call a technical masterclass. Um, very early on, lockups between the pair, slow start. Um, William Beagle starts to complain about Ann Anderson causing his ear some pain when they're doing the call on elbows. Um, he kept going to Sir William in the corner um, to get him to check on his ear and stuff like that. So, really feeling out process early on, and you're kind of going, why is he going for his ear all the time like that? You know, why is he holding that all the time? Uh, plenty of stalling in between the lockups, trying to buy more time, particularly from Regal, of course. Um, Test of strength where Regal goes into a beautiful bridge. Kip up but only gets uh, put down again when Arn has his first kick at Regal's injured leg. And the only one for a while, actually. Um, Regal comes in back into the match with some European uppercuts and gets to work on Arn's left arm. So, probably a body part picking apart here. Um, any any points from those first few minutes, Stuart, before we <laughs> we're dissecting um, this like, I, segments? I, 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 I thought it was, um, <laughs> it was very intimate. It was very erotic <laughs> to, be, to begin with. They're, they're, they're fucking all over each other here, man. Um, these two big burly strapping lads. Um, I know what was missing was the referee to squirt some baby oil in the middle just to like, Well, I mean, like, that, that, that certainly got me going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so you could tell in the opening five minutes, like, you're either going to love this match or you're going to fucking hate it. Like, there's no in between here. That is just cut and dry down the middle. If you're into this kind of wrestling, this is a slow, methodical wear down. You'll love it if you like high spot. Um, dives to the outside, that kind of stuff. Skip this match. No, there's there's technical matches. This is uber technical. It's yeah, this entirely is highly technical. This this is like an old school British wrestling match. Be like rounds. They'll do like five rounds of wrestling. Yeah, it, it's that. This is like world of sport wrestling. This um, only with characters and better standard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. So Arn takes uh, Regal's arm, wraps it around the post a couple of times. Um, Regal recovers on the outside. And Sir William pulls out his stopwatch and informs Regal how long he has left. Now the stalling makes sense a little bit. There's yeah, a sort of, yeah. The game plan starts to appear that Regal probably thinks he can't beat him. So if he can mm-hmm. drag the match out a bit, you know, you're, you're going to come away with your title without having to take a yeah. loss. So He's just trying to, he's just trying to survive because obviously he's got that injury as well to the leg. So it, it makes sense. I didn't even realise until this point that there's a time limit on the match. Um, I, I must have missed that. Um, so yeah, was, they definitely was, announced that um, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Buffer. <laughs> uh, no Bruce Buffer. Is it Bruce? No, it's Michael. Who's the other one? Aye, Michael. Bruce. That's Michael. It's not Bruce. Bruce is, is the other one. This is Michael. Um... So, more work in the arm from Anderson, which is somewhat surprising given the obvious target on Regal's left leg, which seems to have been somewhat ignored. Obviously, we had that wee part earlier in the match, but um, it's very very strange, isn't it? It's like, surely that's a big target there. Yeah, um, yeah. So, as I said, we heard that halfway announcement, so 15 minutes gone and 15 minutes to go. Um, so, halfway through the match. And pretty little happens, but as you say, if you like those technical matches, you'll still enjoy those first 15 because it's just sort of who's going to get the upper hand sort of thing, you know? Yeah, it's, just, um, it's basic storytelling, isn't it? There's a, there's a camera shot in this match that we've had throughout the night. Um, the camera position is behind Tony and Heenan, who are right, right on the ring. Um, and you can see them looking off into the match. You can see what's happening in the ring when there's a rest hold on. So it's this, this great shot where you see the commentators, you see the ring, you hear them talking, you can see them talking. It's just a really nice 
you know, camera angle, yeah. um, which I don't really think I've seen much before. I, I, I always loved that camera angle because when uh, Bobby was making this kind of a mental point or like a, a heel point, um, Siobhan would always kind of just like turn around and look at the camera. It's like, oh, fucking listen, listen to this guy say, again. Can you believe what this guy's saying? Yeah. Like, uh, it's nice. It's, I, I do like it, yeah. Uh, Alan gets a really nice back body drop before trapping the arm once again. Uh, Regal's European uppercuts are absolutely gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it rolls out once again, gets updated about how long he's got left. Um, I think both men begin to show fatigue. I don't think that's legitimate, but you know that in terms of the show that the match has taken an effect now, um, as you head into the last sort of ten minutes. Um, despite the low energy match, obviously they're grappling with each other. They're constantly using something to like you know wrench their opponent's arms, so they are constantly working, even though they're not hitting these hard hitting moves. Um, and again, it's another part of the story that you have to sort of be able to. Take with a pinch of salt if you're not into that sort of, of thing. Kind of yeah. thing you know, um, it takes a bit of digging around to find it. Um, so, uh, so William uses the umbrella on Ander- Ar- Arn Anderson's throat, uh, which allows Regal to take control once again after taking the majority of the first half beaten. Uh, Regal stretches arm with various STF style sort of submission maneuvers. So he like he has one in and he transitions into another and then another and then another. Um, He's got a lot of moves in his arsenal, he, hasn't he? He has <laughs> quite the repertoire of regal stretches, yeah. <laughs> um, Arm bounces out and begins to work that injured leg, finally, um, with, with very little time left on the clock by this point. Um, I think he's starting to realise he has to get something done. Uh, attempts a figure four, but he can't quite lock it in. Uh, the fans briefly come alive for that one, thinking that uh, you know, we're going to see a figure four. Obviously, it kind of shows how over Flair is as well, you know, <laughs> yeah, with that move. Yeah. Um, Anderson takes another umbrella shot um, before getting back in the ring, attempting to work the leg. Uh, Regal's consistently stra- scrambling to escape any hold or damage to that leg, and it's very shoot-like, you know, um, the, the style they're trying to get over there. Um, four minutes, three minutes, two minute warning. Uh, both men exchange some big hands in the middle of the ring. The tempo comes right up here at the end now. Um, Regal hits the floor. They have a test of strength and exchange some near falls within that hold um, until Arn Anderson locks in that body scissors. Regal gets out. Uh, Arn goes for a sleeper. Regal gets out of that. Uh, gets rolled up for a two count. Um, he then starts getting really nervous on commentary now. He's starting to get worried <laughs> that Arn's going to start coming back. Arn finally hits the spine buster. Uh, can't quite get the pinfall due to being a bit tired. So William then starts to distract him. So Arn goes for the sunset flip on the outside. So he's went to the, he's went to the ropes to, to get rid of uh, Sir William. Mm-hmm. Goes for the sunset flip over the top. As he goes for that, William Regal sits down on the pin, uh, grabs Sir William's umbrella to give him the leverage and gets the pin in six minutes. Uh, sorry, six seconds left on the clock. 29 minutes and 54 seconds in total. Um, crazy that guys can go that long and still entertain you. <laughs> I would totally agree with that. And it's, it is usually hit or miss with Regal in these long matches. Um, they're either generally boring as fuck or... You know what I mean? You will find some kind of entertainment in them due to the technical ability that he has. This was on the positive side of things, I thought. Um, I definitely didn't think you would have liked this. I thought this would have been too WCW for you, like very kind of NWA, WCW. Um, just because there wasn't any like any high spots or, or low spots, as a matter of fact. It was just like a constant pace. Um, yeah, that's the thing. There was no like, like in, in, in standard wrestling matches, you have um, you know peaks and valleys. You know where the match kind of goes up and down. Mm-hmm. This was kind of like a level all the way through until yeah. the end, where it really started to hit a wee peak. You know, um, but no, I I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, yes, it was a slow technical match. Um, you know, and its position sort of you know 
as a crowd settler somewhere in the middle of the card where it, you know, it slows things down so the crowd don't get too overhyped because you've got bigger matches later on in the night that you watch shows, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's still, it was still, you know, it wasn't like this was just a, a piss break match. It was still a, a big match. But if, if, if these guys gave it everything in that match, how, you know, how hyped are you going to be for the matches later on in the night? Probably not as much. So I think that it's, it's, it was smartly positioned with that style in there. Um, and I, I love that, that, that build to the finish in those last few minutes where the tension was there. Um, Heaney and I did, I did a lot to that. Um, I'd like it if maybe Sir William was a little bit more um, sort of dramatised by it on the outside. If, like, you start to see him worry. You start to see him sweat, you know? Like, yeah, you start to yeah. worry now, like, maybe mm-hmm. we're not going to get this here. Um See, so yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, the, the the next uh, segment was, was was absolutely fantastic. So we see the commentary team. Um, they start to introduce the next match, and a lady crew member comes past in the background, sweeping like sweeping up the, the mat on the outside. And Shivani says, "Oh, excuse me," because he he notices her, and then he then goes up. Like you brought the missus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what are you doing, man? He's right. such a dick. <laughs> uh, That's excellent. So, the following contest is a WCW World Tag Team Championship match. Max Payne and Cactus Jack versus Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, the Nasty Boys. Um, not to disrespect the uh, good old Mick Foley here, but a bunch of lumps in this one here. Yeah, <laughs> this is proper, like, fucking dark match ECW. Fat bastards, man, who cannot wrestle fully. It looks like a... Excluded. It looks like a sort of like a mud show lineup, doesn't it? Like it's very indie. It's very kind of, you know, what I mean, southern fucking Florida. Yeah. Independent. Like, like it's, it's all guys in street clothes. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Kind no of char- wrestling gear, that sort of thing. Like. No characters. No technical ability. Just where's the weapons? Let's get to the weapons. Yeah. You know what I mean? So much to your surprise, Max Payne has a couple of wrestling moves early on, which I was like, what the fuck? Mm. <laughs> um, there will be four brawlers in here who just like to fight and inflict pain, which I was very surprised to see that. Um, I think he, he, he drops one of them on their head in a suplex as well at one point, and it's kind of like, I can see why you don't do this every week, pal. Finally, the star of the show gets at the star of the match anyway, or the future star, Foley gets in... Um, Runs right for a wee while, take, takes both men out, uh, and the match sort of breaks down. All four men finally get in and have a fight. Um, I was sort of relatively impressed with some of those early moves, but it, it very much became a, a boring punch kick affair for a, for a wee while. Um, the Nasty Boys sort of had to cool off outside because they're going, what's going on here? What is this sort of wrestling these guys are having us do? Um, there's a horrible spot on the outside as well um, with uh, Mick Foley taking a bump onto the exposed concrete. Um, oh fucking splat man holy the sickening mm-hmm. fully back bump onto concrete which just was not required was it we else do need to take a bump like that in the middle of the car throw away tag match you know what I mean yeah like and the thing was like if it played into the finish or something mm-hmm. you know it just didn't play into it and it was like it just felt like a, a fucking damage to your body you didn't need to do it, but that's yeah, the story about Foley at times, well, you know? Well, I'm, like, if you've kind of heard or read whatever Foley said about it, that was his spot in the card, like, you're, you're not going to win, Mick, but um, if you want to get yourself over by killing yourself, be my guest, here's a spot for you mm-hmm. going there. No. There's, um, there's a reason why he can't walk properly, <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. Shame. Shame. Um, uh, yeah. 
There was also a, a line from uh, Bobby Heenan in this match where he talks about um, a Lloyds of London policy maybe required thereafter of Mick Foley's antics, um, okay. which I thought was quite funny. I've listened to a few podcasts about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lloyds of London was like an insurance company um, who many wrestlers have sort of took policies with in the 80s and 90s. Um, Rick Rude and Ted DiBiase were two of them who had like career-ending injuries, which was stopped them from wrestling, so they were then able to take a cash payout from these policies as long as they never wrestled again. Oh, right, um, okay. And they did. Uh, they did take those policies. So it's uh, very interesting that those were a thing uh, back in the day, especially in that line of work. Mm, <laughs> absolutely. But I suppose it's probably a time that it was seen as a shoot, you know, at times uh, for some of these companies and stuff like that as yeah, well. Yeah, it was so, still like a sport, yep. Yeah, viewed as a sport. So, uh, so... The match sort of becomes a Nasty Boys match, um, which, as you know, if you've ever watched a Nasty Boys match, it's not great. Um, <laughs> Candice has a nice double DDT at one point, gets a hot tag to Max Payne, comes in, runs through both men, um, just puts his knobs on his fucking face. Uh, <laughs> which normally I would say, oh, that's horrible, but with that one, I, would, I, wouldn't, I, didn't, I didn't feel too bad about that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Armbar on knobs, uh, Sas comes in and hits him with a guitar, and the referee sees it and disqualifies the champion. So, Cactus and Payne get the DQ in, and Nasty Boys keep the titles. Uh, 12 minutes 37. Any thoughts? Nope. Absolute pish. Horrible match. Absolute clusterfuck. Um, yeah. Dreadful. Uh, backstage, Ric Flair uh, is interviewed <laughs> by Minji. I'm not even going to comment. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> Uh, mean Gene uh, interviews Ric Flair, Steamboat's there as well. Uh, the reference Hogan um, having interest in this one. So it's kind of public knowledge that he's on his way there somewhat. You know, that they're playing into the, the storylines here that he's going to be coming into the company. Um, which, which kind of takes it from rumour to it's happening, doesn't it? Um, and they start to address it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ric Flair is not typical Flair here, by the way, either. You know, he's, he seems very serious. Um, you know, very ready to go. He's... And that makes you realise how serious the match is to him as well. They're trying to make this a very serious storyline, um, very realistic storyline. So um, he's all in for this one. Back in the arena, we see the Thunder Cage being lowered with Pyro popping off around the arena. So the, the, the Thunder Cage is like WCW's attempt at Hell in a Cell-like structure. Um, it had high walls, it goes to the floor, um, so it allows the room on the outside somewhere to the cell. But it's not got a roof, but the bars at the top kind of point in. Yeah, it's like a house kind of shape. It's like a big... Uh, chicken wire shed. Yeah. It, um, it looks flimsy as fuck. Oh my god, it's made of fucking rubber. It's so bad. Um, like, when it comes down, I didn't really think much of it until I started seeing them getting thrown into it, and then I'm going like that. That looks like it's going to fall. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like it's made of rubber. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, it's got, it's got like, it's not like a, you get your, your mesh cages that we're used to now. It was like the old sort of style. Yeah. But it wasn't like steel bars. It looked like it just looked so flimsy. I don't know. It was so weird. Um, no idea where they got that. From. No. <laughs> well, I do actually. Uh, it was it was the original Thunderdome used in 1989 uh, at Halloween Havoc, um, where it was electrified. So they've basically taken the, the cables out of it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So in this one, Rick Rude, Paul Ondorf, and Steve Austin versus Surfer Sting, Brian Pillman, and Dustin Rhodes. Um, the announcer states it's no disqualifications. Uh, so all men here obviously decide <laughs> to abide by the tag rules for whatever fucking reason. So they're all tagging yeah. in yeah. inside a cage where there's no disqualifications. I've no idea what the fuck is going on here. I've no idea. They're all very polite. Very polite. Um... 
So Austin's in this one. He uh, he gets battered around the cage. And it's the first time you see that cage getting bounced around. Uh, it's just it looks like it's made up of rubber bands. Like it's yeah. so bad. Um, Brian Pillman gets in, and before long, uh, Steve Austin touches him head first in the cage, and he busts open. Um, looks like it, uh, Hardway, actually. Um, yeah, it didn't it? it didn't look as if he took any time to to sort himself out. So uh, that looked a hard one, that one. He uh, was work over Pillman in the corner. Uh, it's just the babyface is just standing out outside like Egypt's well the, or the heels work over the one guy and I'm just mm. like fucking get in there you know yeah. you're just looking for a big schmoz here because uh, you're going to get a proper match next so give us just a big brawl yeah. you know a, a um, nice big uh, yeah uh, yeah like I'm never one to be famously a big fan of big brawls but you know yeah. when you've got six men inside a cage that's what you, that's what you expect that's what you it. expect um, yeah yeah Sting gets a hot tag, uh, runs over the heels, Ondorf and Sting go to the outside. Um, time for Ondorf to juice, so it's one each uh, in the bud department. Uh, <laughs> we'll see Dustin Rhodes come in, uh, doing his best impression of his of the Dusty Rhodes, his dad, of course. Um, the old Dusty Punches, um, running Bulldog on Rick Rude there. However, a counter from Rude uh, perches him on the top turnbuckle, so he sort of runs into a Bulldog, but he just sort of keeps him in the air and perches him on top. Mm-hmm, it's quite mm-hmm. nice, actually. Um Rick Rude is surprisingly good. I know I shouldn't really say he's surprisingly good because a lot of people know how good he is, but I've watched very little of him. Yeah, so it's quite interesting to watch him in yeah. here and what I've seen from him, I was like, oh, he's fucking pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you only ever recall Rick Rude for having those um, kind of airbrushed wrestling tights with um, whoever he's facing his bird. Yeah. I mean, like, but, uh, yeah, fucking one in shape guy, man. Phenomenal. Dick. Um, <laughs> show off he's, uh, like a, he's, he's like the Orton of that era yeah fucking absolute wanker how dare you be that in shape <laughs> I'm sitting here fucking my belly you know <laughs> <laughs> so uh, towards the finish uh, Flying Brian Pillman comes in takes it to the baby faces shows some very good fire uh, before all six finally get in the ring um, Austin gets double back by the drop by Sting and Pillman and then Pillman gets pressed up into the air and thrown onto Austin by Sting, pinning him and winning the match in 14 minutes and 36 seconds. Um, there was a wee after the match thing as well, where Sting gets smashed with the door by Rick Wood mm-hmm. and hit with a Wood Awakening on the floor um, as the heels leave the match. So, thoughts on the match, first and foremost? Uh, it was a bit of disappointment, to be fair. With the amount of talent that was in the match, you would expect a lot more. Uh, it's still was a problem with these kind of multi-man matches. Um could probably have done without Orndorff and Rhodes. If they had just been a tag team match between Sting and Pillman and Austin and Rudd, I'd have been all over it. Um, good showing for Brian Pillman in this match. Um, I always think it's a kind of a good match where you want to see more of someone. Um, and I yeah. definitely would want to see more of Pillman after this. Again, you hear the stories, but I've never actually seen a lot of his stuff. Um... Especially his early WCW stuff. Yeah, seems to be yeah. some of his best wrestling. You know, yeah. he just seems to have he's such a good baby face and stuff like that. So. You, you'll never really hear of his time kind of after WCW where he did the old fucking crossword double shoot. What the fuck yeah. you want to call it? Fucking Russo kind of chugger that one. Um, <laughs> don't hear a lot about his stuff from this era. Uh, same with Austin, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to have seen him in a more wrestling capacity as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with taking Ondorf and, and Rhodes out there. And I think it's because, not just I, I don't mean that in terms of who the workers are, but I think it's more, the other, the other four guys seem to have a bit of beef. 
you know, yeah. obviously Sting and Wood seemed to have a bit of an issue, and obviously Pillman and Austin had been the Hollywood Blondes at mm-hmm. some point, so there was obviously an issue between those guys. Um, I don't know about the story of Ondorf and, and, and Woods is, but it didn't seem anywhere near as hot as what the other guys brought to the nah. match, so um, I, would have, I would have much rather the tag match, and you could probably have fucking left the cage out of it for me as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's, no, there's no need to have the same match type back-to-back. Yeah, but I mean, with the six guys, listen, they had tempo and stuff like that. I just hated the the, the abundance of rules that weren't required. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that took away a lot from what you were expecting when you see six guys in a cage. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it gets a meh for me, which is unfortunate. Probably the most dis- biggest disappointment of the night. Yeah. Um. So far. <laughs> so far. So into the main event now, uh, Vader versus Ric Flair for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship here. Uh, so we see a quick recap of the storyline between Ric Flair and Vader. Vader's been trying to end the career of Ric Flair uh, and Ricky Steamboat at one point. So uh, some some personal grievances here between the two. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of st- it's a standard form, isn't it? It's the it's the big man trying to rip apart the the kind of valiant babyface, um, try to do some extensive damage, and he just looks like a big fucking monster doing it. So, yeah, Vader had injured Flair um, on one of the TV tapings um, and the match had been called off. So, however, Flair obviously said their valiant babyface, he came back um, and had the match reinstated. So, he's going to take on Vader and uh, keep, the crowds, keep the crowd happy uh, and give them a main event to look forward to. Commissioner Nick Buckwinkle insisted that it happens inside the cage. Um, obviously, getting their money's worth for that old cage that's been lying around <laughs> since 1989. Um and the boss, big boss man, you may know him as WWE, um, would be the special guest referee slash enforcer of this match, the gatekeeper, if you will. Um, so, uh, interesting um, build to the story here, but quite looking forward to seeing what these two guys can do inside the cage. So, let's see how we go. Um, Vader enters with his manager being Harley Race. Um, strange seeing Harley Race in that position. Um, in WGW, not so much. I think he was always... Was he not yeah, always? Yeah, from what I recall, um, can't really think of a, a time where he was. His play was a bit before us, wasn't it? Oh, hundred percent, man. I mean, ninety four. He fucking looked at, you know, he looked at death door. You know what I mean? He was looking, he was fairly looking his age. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I think I think Flair and him was like Starcade eighty three or something. So yeah, you're <laughs> eleven years earlier, yeah. uh, passing the torch. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ric Flair looks a million bucks with his stunning robe. Um, mm-hmm. Point of note here that the title is not the big gold belt that we know, it's the other sort of silver. No, yeah, it's a, it's a silver knockoff. I think um, <laughs> Flair must have taken it to WWF and lost it. <laughs> it's in Titan Tire somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, uh, the boss has trouble locking the cage before we get underway. Um, Vader charges Flair and misses, takes the early thumb to the eye, and, and, and Flair beats down the big man in the corner. Uh, as you said, strange having Flair as a babyface in WCW just seems so unnatural as, you know, the dirtiest player in the game. Yeah. Just crowd are cheering them. <laughs> um, straight to the outside, uh, Flair uses a chair across Vader's head, um, and the boss starts a count despite it being uh, pin and submission only. After Yeah, he didn't have a good night, did he, boss man? Um, no. Just before the match started, like, the two of the guys are... Um, you know, circling each other, feeling each other out, boss man is just standing in the fucking way, uh, <laughs> twirling his nightstick like a fucking member of the village people, like, oh, get out the fucking way, yeah, nah, not, not a great referee, um, what did you make of the, the steel chair shots, vicious weren't they, with a big cushion on it? <laughs> so, what, I don't understand what that was all about, it was like, your, it wasn't your standard folding wrestling chair, it was like, 
a closer in an executive office chair. Flair just taps him the light, light as he could. Um, <laughs> Clearly doesn't want to piss off Vader, man. Um, no, I wouldn't. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it begs the question why he didn't do the old, you know, take the rim of the chair to the, like, the throat or the body or something, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, I mean, you always have the option, don't you? Obviously, fucking Triple H has been doing it for years with a sledgehammer, just fucking smash into his gut or something like that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Um, so, Flair takes off Vader's mask, which apparently was not uncommon. Uh, he wrestled without it quite often. Um, I think he... I've seen it go off my like, oh, Vader's mask's off, uh, but then I realise it's, it's actually quite common uh, for him. I, uh, I think he looks like a tit when his mask off. He just yeah. looks like a fat blob. Yeah, it, it takes him from menacing murderer yeah. to mm-hmm. normal fat guy in, yeah. a, in a single. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. He has a Vader bomb early and Flair sells the midsection, um, which was injured weeks ago, so they're playing into that one. Uh, Vader goes for a moonsault off the top and lands on his fucking feet. Uh, That's impressive. It's it very impressive. Oh my yep. god, so impressed. Like a fucking 400 pound cat. Mm-hmm. Um Halloros Halloroso chokes <laughs> Flair against the cage, uh, while the ref can't see anything going on there. Um I'm sure we don't understand the, the no DQ thing, do they? That that's what I'm beginning to learn. Mm-hmm. That when they add a, a no disqualification match, they don't know how to deviate from the usual. Yeah. So that's why they're going by tag rules because they're scared to get DQ'd. Yeah. That's why they're choking them through the cage behind the referee's back because they're still scared to get it's like, what the fuck? Oh, I don't know. No, I mean I do understand that um boss man might actually batter you if he catches you. But he's not going to batter you because he's inside the cage exactly. and you're outside the yeah. cage. What's he going to so do? So I think it'll be all right. Yeah. I just I don't understand yeah, tell that. Tell you to leave and you'll tell me to fuck off. I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but it's, it's getting to that stage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Race continues to get involved uh, through the cage. Um, Vader picks his flair and goes for the super, superplex off the top. Uh, that's the one that caused Flair the injury weeks ago. And he hits it. Uh, Race grabs Rick Flair again and gets caught by Boss Man this time. He tries to handcuff Race to the cage, but like a geek, Vader batters him and handcuffs the boss to the cage. So he's now been handcuffed to the cage with his own handcuffs. Um, oh, what a tip. <laughs> Race takes the key from his neck for the cage, uh, lets himself in. Um, do, do you think Bossman uh, has got like his always keys on the one hearing? So he's got the cage key, he's got his car keys, house keys, and, <laughs> yeah. his, and his, his handcuff keys. So he's got no fucking... If he loses one key, he's lost them all. <laughs> he, I, he must be one of those guys that fucking... He, he puts the bank cards in his phone case and uh, his, his spare key in that as well. Put his address and a label on the back of the phone. You know, he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, mate. You're having a nightmare. Security's not your strong point, is it? <laughs> and he's a security officer. He's a fucking prison officer. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so he's tied to that. Harley uh, Race comes in and they start beating down Ric Flair. Uh, Vader comes off the top as Harley holds Flair, but Flair ducks out the way and Harley bumps like the rock, taking a stunner, which was fair play, but an old man. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs mm-hmm. up. Uh, bumping like a fish out of water there. <laughs> uh, I should point out he, he did lock the cage when he came back in, which takes us to one of our next moments. Uh, Anne Anderson comes in to try and break the cage. No joy. So uh, Ricky Steamboat comes down with the tool for the job, Stuart, a folding chair. I mean, um, what what else would you bring out in a in an arena that has got equipment to build stuff in? Bolt cutters? Nah. Pair of pliers? Mm, don't think so. So mm, a fucking folding steel chair to break up my padlock. What a fucking geek, man. What are you doing oh, with your life? They're swinging the chair at this padlock. It's definitely going to open. Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> um, 
He's at that for a while. The boss finally breaks his handcuffs, which the camera misses, by the way. Yeah, he's been screaming into the camera for the last five minutes, trying to get trying to get free. He gives away what the spot's going to be because he continually looks at the handcuffs and like. So he's trying to break it away, but he'll hold the handcuffs in a certain spot so it doesn't break. Oh, then it finally happens. The camera's not on him. It's just he's what an what a howler, an absolute howler. He he is no right in this match. It's just an absolute mess from start to finish. Travesty. Um, so, the, yeah, so even George with a nightstick takes Vader to the floor. Um, Flair then locks in a figure four and the boss calls for the bell. So he doesn't tap, uh, retains the title um, and he is obviously bellowing that, that Vader did not give up. Um, however, Rick Flair has retained his title after 11.32 um, due to screwy referee finish. Um and Vader goes nuts as we go off the air. So, thoughts on the show overall, uh, and finally, the main event. Well, <laughs> we'll go with the main event first. Um, I've never seen so much uh, of an advantage given to a babyface against a heel. There's, um, so you've got Flair, Anderson, you've got Steamboat, and Bossman against Vader. And, obviously and, and a cage to contend to. Yeah, it's just, it's a bit backwards for me. Um he can't. He, he couldn't get the figure four on Vader. It just looked shit. Um, <laughs> just uh, the heels get totally screwed over here. Uh, it felt like a dark match main event for like a live show. Uh, there was no fanfare at all for the victory. It was just it was absolute silence. It was absolute trash. Uh, <laughs> which uh, brings me to the overall grade. It was in line for a high B, man. But those those last three matches, fuck me, man, plummeted. Absolutely plummeted. Um, it's a generous C. Um, just again, it's a disappointment. And look at the talent across the two matches, and you could argue Foley for the for the previous one as well. You would expect that that's what people are there to watch, to pay their money for to see. But nah, absolutely not. You probably say that. Obviously, Regal Anderson was by far the best match of the night. But your guys like Terry Taylor, DDP, Johnny Be Bad, even. Fucking Jungle Steel to some extent put on a bit of showing them what these clowns put on uh, in the main event. I was so pissed off after the after the, the main event. Unbelievable. Yeah. Bitterly disappointed. Um Yeah, yeah, it's one of those ones, uh, so much shenanigans. Um the story could have been I think the story was decent, but it could have been told better. Um but I all in all an average show for me it was, you know, a good main event away from a solid B. Um, but I've given it a C plus all in. Um, I see some great talent in there. Um, perhaps still one of the best WCW shows we've watched, and there was a lot more high points than than, than a lot of the previous ones we've done. Um, which to be fair, there's not a high bar, but uh... <laughs> no, I definitely say this is a momentous occasion because you have graded a WCW pay per view higher than I have. Um, that'll be a first. Yeah, I will. <laughs> and I expect an only. <laughs> That's, that's that's groundbreaking enough, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's what we're all about here at the Caledonian Kings Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Caledonian Kings Wrestling Podcast. We appreciate your support, and if you could leave a review wherever you're watching this show, whether it be Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, uh, and share your thoughts there, what you think of the show, what we could do to improve it. And if you want to keep up with us when we drop a new episode, or take part in some of our polls, which will be coming up on my Twitter, that Twitter handle is at MarkTheMark22. Until next time, thank you to my tag team partner, Stuart, for joining me on this one. Always a pleasure, Mark. And it's a goodbye from me. Take care.